Well, good morning. Really glad to have you with us again this morning. And let me say, if you're the first time watching with us on this live stream, welcome. Uh, we have a text that we have available. If you want to send us a text, just say, hey, I I'm worshiping with you this morning. We'd love to know that. But well, if it's your first time, you won't know this, so let me catch you up. We've been in our study of the scriptures looking at Genesis. Last week, we took a step out of Genesis for Easter, and following up Easter this morning, we're going to stay out of Genesis and actually go to Acts chapter 2. So if you have a Bible in front of you, if you can grab one, maybe pull it up on your phone, whatever, uh, let me invite you to turn to Acts chapter 2. And as you turn there, uh, let me tell you why we're going to Acts chapter 2 this morning. Because I think one of the lingering questions that we're experiencing in this time is we're trying to continue to adjust to this life like we have never known it before. And one of the questions that you might be wrestling with is, even as you've been watching, maybe for the first time or you've been watching every week, you may be asking yourself this question, is this really church? Is online church really church? Or are we just kind of faking it? Is this is this really church? So to answer that question, we're going to go to Acts 2. And we're going to Acts 2 because Acts 2 records for us the birth of the church. And we're going to ask ourselves, what did they do when they were first starting? And are we doing that now, even in the spite of the fact that we can't be together in one room? So Acts chapter 2, here's how it begins. Verse 1, Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost, that's 50 days after Jesus was raised from the dead, had come, they were all together in one place. So a little background to verse 1 here. That is, they're all together, the disciples are, and they're in one place for this reason. If you go back to chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, Jesus speaking to his disciples before he ascended says, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then he was ascended, and they stayed in Jerusalem waiting. So they're together, as chapter 2, verse 1 says, they're together in one place in Jerusalem waiting for what Jesus said the promise of the Father was the Holy Spirit, that they would receive God himself in the spirit dwelling in them. So that's the promise. And here it comes now, verse two, what they're waiting for. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves. And they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Some devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished saying, why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? In other words, how are they speaking my language? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? They don't know what's going on. This is a demonstration of the power of the Spirit, but they don't know that. 
They're just like, we've never heard this before. We've never seen anything like this before. So they can't figure it out. But some people think they've figured it out. Drop down to verse 13. Others were mocking and saying, they're full of sweet wine. In other words, they're going, uh, that's just, they're just drunk. And into that, Peter stands up. The one who had betrayed Jesus, excuse me, denied Jesus. And then Jesus appeared to him. The one who Jesus said, you follow me. Don't look around, you will follow me. That Peter, it says in verse 14, taking his stand with the 11, raised his voice and declared to them. Now stop here for a moment. Peter's about to preach his first recorded sermon. And we're going to do something a little unique with it. He is in Jerusalem speaking to all sorts of Jews. And so through his sermon, he repeatedly goes back to Old Testament passages to help them go, ah, ah. But we're not going to do that. Because for us, who are not that familiar with these Old Testament passages, what happens to his sermon is it gets really long and cluttered. Now, I'm not saying never, this morning, I'm going to just skip the, the Old Testament passages and we're going to hear a very succinct, clear, first gospel evangelistic message. All right? So you may want to later today go back and go, oh man, what was the prophet saying? And get a fuller understanding. But we're going to keep it very clear, very simple by looking at this sermon. So he stands up. <clears throat> And he declares to them, men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. And then he quotes from the prophet Joel, which we're going to skip. Okay, drop down to uh, verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. In other words, you've seen this. Listen, verse 23. This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. All right, now we're going to skip Psalm 16, drop the whole way down to verse 32. This Jesus God raised up again to which we are all witnesses. We've seen him with our eyes. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. See what he said? It was very simple. What you're seeing hearing is a demonstration that the Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth, has ascended to the Father and the Spirit has come upon. That's why they're speaking in languages they don't know. Drop down to verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. See, when you pull it down, it's a pretty basic sermon, isn't it? What do he say? Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ, the Son of God. 
and you killed him. But God raised him from the dead. That's what's the message. Did you get it? He was the Christ. He was God and you killed him. But God raised him from the dead. Powerful. It was in that day. Look at verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. He was God and we killed him. What should we do? It's a great question. When you realize you killed the son of God, you go, what do we do? And watch what Peter says. Repent. A word that simply means change your mind. Repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you, like you've seen right here, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and your children and for all, including us today, who are far off. As many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified. So long stuff he didn't write down. And kept on exhorting them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. So then, those who had received his word were baptized. And in that day, there were added about 3,000 souls. The church is born. They had been gathered, waiting. The Spirit of God came. Jesus, uh, excuse me, Peter declares the gospel. People hear and believe. And the church is born. And notice this. This is, this is fundamental to answering the question. Is what we're doing today on live stream, is this really church? Well, what we see from the start is this. The church is a people. It's not a place. It's not a building. And so often we think, oh, I go to church and then we name a place. As if the church is a building, it's a location, it's a campus, it's a satellite. None of that. The church is a people. And it's a people who, as we see in this text, who have repented and believed. See, Prior to that, they didn't believe that he was the Christ. They didn't believe that they had killed him. And they had not seen him. They had only heard that God had raised him from the dead. That day, they heard it and they believed. But notice, it's a repent and believe. Peter's first word to him, you got to repent. You got to change your mind. You got to change your mind based on, have you believed that Jesus is God. If not, change your mind and believe he is God. Do you believe that you, not some Romans with hammers and cruel nails, they didn't put him on the cross. Oh, physically they did, but you got to believe and change your mind. You put him there. I put him there. Why? Because he paid the penalty for my sin. That was why he went to the cross. And the guilt that he was paying was not his own. He was perfect. The guilt he was paying was mine. The guilt he was paying was yours. You and I must change our mind and think not, from thinking, well, I'm not that bad. I, I would never have crucified Jesus. To what those people believed that day, 
we did it. We didn't swing the hammers, but we did it. And that God raised him from the dead. Repent and believe. And when that happens, here is what the passage said happens to those people who repent and believe, that they receive two gifts, forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness, their penalty paid. The wrath of God that you and I deserve because of our sin poured out on Christ. Forgiven all of our wrong, past, present, and future. Nailed to the cross. Taken out of the way. You and I cleansed as we repent and believe. And the Holy Spirit, as he came that day upon everyone who had repented and believed, he would come into your own life. The Spirit of God himself would dwell in you. That's the church. And third, of people who have been baptized. Do you notice? He said, repent and be baptized. Not because baptism is necessary for salvation. It's because it's a demonstration outwardly that I have been saved. It's a demonstration that I have repented and believed. So I just want you to pause for a moment and ask yourself, not where do you go to church? I want you to ask this question. Are you part of the church? In other words, are you a people who have repented and believed? See, if you think, I'm not sure if I repented and believed, but I've been baptized, baptism doesn't save you. You might think, well, I go to this place, you know, I think it's old St. Augustine Road or wherever you go to church. That's not what makes you a people because the people, the church is not a place. It's a people who have repented and believed. And I, I want to invite you right now, wherever you are, to simply acknowledge I've either thought wrongly about Jesus or I've thought wrongly about myself. I change my mind. I believe he is the son of God. I believe I deserve his wrath that I crucified him, but God raised him from the dead and that in his payment, my sins are forgiven and I can receive the Holy Spirit. That's the church. I wanna invite you, repent and believe for the forgiveness of sins that you might receive the spirit of God. And if you have repented and believed, that you would be baptized. I'm always a little surprised, quite frankly, when people say, oh yeah, I repented and believed, but I've never been baptized. I want to encourage you, be baptized. Now you may think, yeah, how are you going to baptize me right now in light of all this social distancing? So here it is. Here's how we're going to baptize going forward. No, not really. That's not what we're going to do. But if we had to, we'll figure out a way. That or super soakers or something. We're, we are going to <laughs> baptize. Why? Because that's who what the people of God do. That's what Jesus said. Go therefore, he told his disciples, and, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. See, to be a disciple of Jesus is to first repent and believe and then be baptized. That's the church. Now the passage goes on. They, the people 
Those who had believed, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed, watch, were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals, how? Together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day, those who were being saved. So we see a people not connected to a place, but connected to a person, Jesus, by believing and by the Spirit of God coming in and dwelling in those who believed. And as they believed in Jesus, they are, it says, continually devoted to. And then it names what they are devoted to. And so here, church, those of you who have repented and believed, here is what it means to be the church, whether it was in the first century or now. In 2020, what's it mean for us to be the church? It means for us to be a people who are continually devoted to these four priorities. First, to being together. See, I think what we see is that word together multiple times as the church is born. And I think it's why it's hard for you and I to go, is, is online church really church? Because we're not really together. Well, they weren't together largely like we are together now. They were in the temple when they could be and house to house. There wasn't big buildings on every street corner. They didn't do church then like we do church now. So was what we were doing back in January of 2020 the church? <laughs> Any more than this is the church? Well, the point is this, whatever the opportunity, because we're a people, because we're, and we'll talk about this later, we're a family, we seek to be together. Right now, that means a lot of FaceTime and Zoom meetings. And uh, is it ideal? No. Is it better than not being together at all? Absolutely. You see, being together almost always, according to different times, looks differently. I think back to when Jackie and I were dating and what being together looked like when she was in South Carolina and I was at a camp in Pennsylvania that largely I had no access to a phone. Being together meant we wrote a letter to one another each day. Was that as good as being together? No. Was it better than nothing? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then when our oldest son went to Colorado, it was before FaceTime. And so we talked to him a couple times on the phone, which was better than just writing letters. We could hear his voice. But then when our youngest son went to Colorado for school, we could like FaceTime with him every Saturday. It was different. But there's a way to be together. In writing, on a phone, FaceTime. We prefer, no doubtedly, be together Jackie and I didn't get married and just say, well, why don't we just keep writing letters? That'd be silly. 
No. It's always better if we can be together physically. But just because we can't be together physically all at one time doesn't mean we're not the church. Because the church is a people. And we can find togetherness in unique ways. This week, pretty interesting, a, a guy used this element not to text me, but to actually make a phone call to me. Weird, I know. He's like, this is a f- telephone? I didn't know that. Yeah, this is a telephone. You can talk to people on it. And though we are good friends, we never talk on the phone. But we did this week. Why? Because it was how we could be together. And about 30 minutes in, we were like two old ladies on the phone. Like, okay, uh, maybe we should like get off now. Okay, it was like, woo, ha, ha. So maybe you need to call somebody to be together. Is it everything you'd hope? No. But it's better. Like we're going to meet together as a family group tonight. Zoom. First time we did it, nobody had the premium. So we were limited to 40 minutes. We got the 10-minute warning. In 40 minutes, we're done. This week, we got somebody who has premium, so we won't be limited to that. You can be together. That's what the church does. In the midst of the loss of physical, what we've actually experienced, though, is something that we didn't expect. And that is kind of a special reminder of who the church really is. It's not a place, it's a people. Watch this special reminder of who we are as the church. Hey there, we are Tom and Nancy, and we have been worshiping with CFC Online all the way from South Asia. Hi, I'm Jeff. And I'm Sue, and we've been worshiping online from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. With CFC, Doug, really appreciate your encouraging messages during this unprecedented time, and we are looking forward to continuing to worship together virtually. Thank you so much. Hello, Christian Family Chapel. We are Tom and Tommy Salzman, and we have been worshiping with you from Dunbarton, New Hampshire. Hello, everybody. Hi, we're the Aiken family. Worshiping with CFC Online. From Newport, Rhode Island. Hello, Christian Family Chapel. I'm Deborah Andre, and I worship with CFC Online from Orlando, Florida. Hello, this is Jimmy and Gail Outlaw, and we have been listening to the worship services at CFC from Lexington, South Carolina. Thoroughly enjoy it and look forward to each Sunday. Have a good day. Good morning. We're the Ridge family. I'm Todd. And I'm Laura, and we've been worshiping with CFC Online from Omaha, Nebraska. Hi, CFC. I'm Debbie Robbins from Wake Forest, North Carolina, and I'm enjoying every week watching your service. Hi, we're the Patton family. And we've been worshiping with CFC online all the way from... Christy, Texas. Yeah! Yeah! See, there's a yeah to that that we'd miss. Uh, that when we're together physically, we miss the reality that we're a people bigger than the people who just get together in our little building. But that we are people from Corpus Christi, in case you missed it, Corpus Christi, to Rhode Island, to North Carolina, to South Carolina, to Pennsylvania, to Rhode Island, to Nebraska, to Southeast Asia. In fact, if you're, if you're worshiping with us, 
Maybe you want us to just send us a note or even if you get gutsy enough to send us a little video of saying, hey, we're so-and-so and we're worshiping with you. We're together with you and tell us where you are. And it will remind us something that we miss when we can be physically together. And that is that we are together as a people uh, all around the globe. So the church is a people who are continually committed to being together. Second, the church is a people continually voted to receiving biblical instruction together. I am so grateful that thus far, every week, more and more of you are together on this live stream, receiving biblical instruction. And if you started late, man, I'm sorry you missed what Matt read from Isaiah, because what a statement for such a time that the Lord is our stability and he is our treasure. See, the scripture speaks to us in such powerful ways. It's why we wanted the, the high school students to remind us that though they're not together except in their Zoom meetings, they're with us. And so they read the scriptures for us to remind us that we are receiving biblical truth together. It's stability and it's hope and it's wisdom. Here's what I have definitely learned in 30 years at the chapel. Church, diets, and the gym kind of all run together. January, whoo! February, whoo! Church, diets, the gym. Fast starts, steady fades. Let's not do that, folks. Let's keep on, continually devoted to receiving biblical instruction. And we have in new ways. I could have done it before, but right now in the midst of this time, not being able to be together each week as part of the midweek updates, a good word from the Lord. It's been sweet for me to be able to remind us of something from the scriptures each week. Don't don't get used to the new norm and let it go. Let's be continually devoted. And to, help, to that end, here's a special gift coming this week. Tomorrow, if you're on our CFC email list, so if not, just text us and tell us you'd like to and give us your, your email. We're going to send out to all CFCers, folks, a license to be able to receive some special biblical instruction on marriage and parenting. Four weeks, four sessions, you should say, I should say, on each. It's going to go out this week on, um, well, we'll send it out tomorrow. And we picked that because of this. Spouses are spending more time together than ever because of the stay at home, safer at home. And some of you are going, it's not safer at home. <laughs> Whoa, this is harder than I thought. I need to go to work for the sake. Hey, it's an 80-year-old couple say, we're learning new ways to love one another. And I thought that was so sweet. And then it hit me. Oh, that means we're on each other's nerves and we're learning new ways to love one another. Some of your homeschooling and kids, it's like, this is going to be a really long, like, six-month summer. 
parenting. So, stability, treasure. Continually voted to biblical instruction. I want to encourage you. We'll send out the licensing. That's why we bought it, so that you can receive some biblical instruction to bring stability and health to our marriages and to our families. That's what we're devoted to when we're a people who have believed. Third, the church is a people continually voted to lifting up praise and prayer together. Did you see it in that text? They were continually devoted to praising God and continually devoted to prayers together. Yes, we can praise by ourselves. And yes, we can pray by ourselves. But there's something powerful to be able to pray and praise together. See, when we praise together, then our hearts are lifted up on the wings of praise. And so I think this has been a new process. We're not used to, we're used to kind of singing along in our cars, but to sit in your, in your living room or your family room on your back porch with maybe your neighbors going, whoa, what's happening over there? Uh, to, to sing. Don't stop singing at a time like this. And don't be reluctant to sing together. I always make sure my mic is off, but while Matt, like this morning, Matt and Dallas, Shirley were leading us, I was singing along every single song. And it's good for my heart. Good Friday, I was singing along with every song. And afterwards, you know what Matt Collins says to me? He says, hey, I can hear you sing when you're singing. And, and, and watch what he says. And you don't really have a singing voice. But, and then he didn't finish the sentence because he didn't even know what to say after that. You really have a singing voice, but, and I was like, but I, but I move my lips or, but I say the right words or, but, uh, so I don't have a singing voice. I sing. Why? Because it lifts my heart on the wings of praise. So Matt Collins is not going to be on your living room, like listening to you, like he listens to me. He's not going to go, man, you don't got a singing voice. He's not listening. Sing it unto the Lord. And I, I promise you, your heart will be lifted on the wings of praise. Praying together. If we can have a Zoom meeting, we can have a Zoom prayer meeting. We can FaceTime family. We can FaceTime and pray together. That might be exactly what your heart needs this week. So just remember, it looks differently. It happens differently. But we're the church. We're not stuck to a place. We're people who have believed. And because we believe, we, regardless of COVID-19 or regardless of anything else that's going on, because we're a people who have believed, we're devoted to being together however we can. We're devoted to receiving biblical instruction however we can. We're, receive, we're devoted to lifting up praise and prayer together however we can. Fourth, the church is a people continually devoted to graciously giving to one another. I hope you saw that in the text, that they were graciously sharing with one another. Now, some of you may be thinking, oh, now I know why we're in Acts 2, because this is the part where Doug's going to go, so we really need you to give to Christian Family Chapel, and I put our number up on the screen, and I give it yeah. Hey, you know what? That's not coming. You know why? 
Because with huge gratitude, Christian Family Chapel, you have continued to give to your local church during this time. And I just can't thank you enough because I understand giving is always a supernatural act because a natural act at a time like this is to hoard. I mean, toilet paper, the perfect example. This is when we hoard. This is when we collect. This is when we don't share. But CFC, because you are people who have believed, you have been continually devoted to give. And I just want to say huge thanks as you have done so. But I don't want you to miss this. We have, in a unique way right now, a profound opportunity. And that's this. If there are, and this is easily true at CFC, if there's a thousand adults at CFC, then the government has just sent us over a million dollars. Wow. Over a million dollars. You may go, well, it's not in my account yet. It's coming. It's in ours. Jackie and ours, we got our $2,400. It's when I wish we had a bunch of young kids again. <laughs> but we got our 2400 And I know folks who got their twenty-four, and they got their twenty-nine, and some who got their 4000 And listen, friends. Here's the reality. Some of those folks getting that 1200 they need it because they've been hit. And some are grateful because they've been scraped. They've been hit. They've been scraped. And others are like, sweet. I haven't had any effect. This is like a bonus from the president. And you may have visions of patios and sofas and carpets. And I want to invite you to consider that when the church is the church, it is continually devoted to sharing with one another. So before you decide, oh, sweet, a bonus, and how you're going to use it on you, ask yourself this. Is there anybody that I know that's part of my family, the people of God, who have a need? Because let me say this clearly. There is no reason that any believer should be in need right now. Why? Because we can take care of one another. So I am not asking you to give it to the CFC budget. I'm asking you to think about people who have been hit and you have it. Help them. You've been scraped. Help yourself a little and help them. Now, you don't answer to me. We are stewards to the Lord. So really all I'm asking you to do is say, Lord, if I'm part of the church, not a place, but a people, what do you want me to do to help your people? It's what we do. You see, <clears throat> When, when this first came down, we first started feeling it here, one of the first things that shut down was the town center, and the net result was our youngest daughter lost her job almost immediately. And her job isn't for fun money, like her manager said, well, you're not going to have fun money, no, it like pays a number of her bills. And so she was like, oh, man, 
what are we going to do? And I said, well, I'm sorry, babe, but I hate that for you. But I mean, you got a car. You can live in a car if you can't pay your mortgage. If you can't pay your rent, you can live in your car. No, I didn't say that. Come on. Why didn't I say that? I didn't say that because she's my daughter. We're family and family does what? Family takes care of one another. And the church is a people who God has made a family. We have a a heavenly father that we share. And because he is our heavenly father, we share with one another. And I'm just wanting us to remind us that there is a boatload of opportunity to be the church with our gracious. See, it's gracious. It's not a requirement. It's not mandated. It's a gracious opportunity to serve and to help. So I hope you'll at least ask the Lord, Lord, is there anybody I can help? And one final thought on that. If you're going, man, Lord, uh, I haven't been hit by this. I haven't even been scraped. I do want to help. I just don't know who to help. We have at the chapel what we call Readyosity Fund. If you're like, I don't know what that is. Readyosity is a word we simply made up. Be ready to be generous. So, and the whole concept, this was more than 18 months ago. The whole concept was this, that when we would be, have people who had physical need, we would be ready to help. Readyosity. And so, if you have extra and it's a blessing from God, and you want to help, but you don't know who to help, if you'll give it to Readyosity, we promise, we will use every penny of it to help people who have needs. So if you have a need, don't be too proud to let us know. This is what the church does. Final story. One of the favorite things from last week. Uh, if you watched our Easter service, Matthew, uh, the guy who did the, the spoken word slash rap, he had lost his job uh, immediately. And we knew that. And so we had given him a gift. And you know what he did? He said, oh, thanks so much. But actually, the Lord's already provided me. They were praising God and having favor with who? All the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. You see that? When they were radically devoted to being together in whatever way they could, growing in the scriptures in whatever way they could, praising and praying whatever way they could together, and sharing with anyone who had a need, the Lord was using it. The Lord was causing other people to see that family, the spiritual family, the church, and go, I want to be part of that family. And he was adding to their number day by day. Those who were being saved, repenting and believing. See, when the people of God, the church, the church, then the church is supernaturally contagious. And I know contagious is not a popular word right now. Nobody wants to be contagious. Except this contagious. So that people who feel alone and isolated, but see us experiencing family in even social distancing times, experiencing family, caring for one another, praying for one another, helping one another, that they might see it and say, 
I want to be a part of that family. That they would believe in the Jesus that you and I have believed in. And that we would be living proof, living proof that our God is good. So we're going to declare together in song now that we are living proof to the goodness of God, to the grace of God, so that we are the church, not a place of people. So I invite you, whether you got a singing voice or not, let's declare this together in humility and in gratitude and with joy the grace of God in our lives I come in desperate dependence ashamed of my pride Lord keep renewing my mind undoing the lies with your truth this is my body presented this is my sacrifice for it is written i'm freed and forgiven by you so here's my life here's my life may my Where rebellion remains And indifference takes hold May your word be the spark That lights up the dark with your glory And let the lost hear their names As children call home And may love be displayed in my words full of and your mercy here's my say what you say when we do what you do the dead come alive by your grace and deserts will bloom and when we say what you say and when we do what you do the dead come alive by your grace deserts will bloom and when we say what you say and when we do what you do the dead come alive by your grace 
to be living proof because God has poured himself in the person of the Holy Spirit into our lives so that this is what the scripture says that we might manifest the life of the Lord Jesus in this mortal flesh by how we love one another how we provide for one another how we pray for one another how we're committed to being together. See, friends, those are not just things that we're supposed to do. It's an overflow of who we are, family, a people, the church. And so I want to encourage you. Let the life of the Lord Jesus flow through you this week. Be living proof. And let's be contagious contagious and our love for one another so that a watching world might go I want to be part of that family if you're not let me invite you again that number that you can text us a question that we're going to do a Q&A in a moment you can use that same number to say hey could someone pray for me or you might use that same number to say, hey, could someone talk to me about what it would mean for me to begin a relationship with God? I've got, I've got some very personal questions that I don't want them to talk about in the Q&A, but could I talk to somebody? Let's use the number to text so that we can be together. So we're going to take a 60-second break here. And then our senior high youth pastor, Jonathan Monk, and I are going to do a, a Q&A. And we'll take some of those questions. But it just doesn't have to be questions that you want to hear answers to public. If you have a prayer request, text us. We'd be glad to pray for you. That's what we do. We're the church. God bless and thanks for being with us this morning.